Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. We start today's episode on a beautiful, clear, and sunny day back in 2018. Could you tell us where where have we brought you today? Yeah, we're on the western side of Alameda Island, and we're very close to the, I see the Port of Oakland. Uh, we're in the Hangar One Vodka area. I think it's called Spirits Alley now. I'm standing in front of a giant sign that says, Warning, Restricted Area, Authorized Personnel Only, with this week's question asker. My name is Lori Bodenhammer. I've lived in San Francisco for about 20 years. We've come to Alameda to check out a peculiar piece of land that Lori noticed. My little shortcut to get to the Google Maps, I just type in SF Map, and then Google pops up and it outlines San Francisco in red. And notice there were some bits of red in Alameda. The border of San Francisco should be simple. You've got water on three sides and a straight line across the southern edge. But not so. I wondered why there is a little sliver of San Francisco on the western edge of Alameda. This is Bay Curious, the show where we answer your questions about the Bay Area. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Today, we travel from 19th century Spanish California to a World War II era Navy station in Alameda, all to figure out why the heck San Francisco has jumped the Bay. This episode first aired in 2018, and we're re airing it today because it tells one of the wackier histories of land ownership that we've found. Stick around. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you, whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. We asked Bay Curious reporter Ryan Levy to tackle this one. It looks like a little right triangle, just a 30-some acre sliver at the very western tip of Alameda Island. It's all the way across the bay from San Francisco, but somehow it's still a part of SF. 
And honestly, I thought figuring out how that was possible would be pretty easy. You know, just call someone up at the city and get the answer. So I start calling people. I try the city administrator's office. Thank you for calling the city administrator's office. They don't know and say I should email the Department of Real Estate. They've also got nothing, so I reach out to the Department of Public Works, where finally we have a breakthrough. I get a tip about a court case from 1964 that's somehow connected to our sliver. But records from that far back aren't going to be digitized, so my only option is to go find them for myself. Are you where I check in? Yes. Okay, hi, I'm Ryan Levy. The National Archives building in San Bruno is kind of hidden away behind the Tanfran Mall and a housing development. I expected it to be kind of dungeony, but it's got lots of windows and natural light and wooden tables set up for researchers. Feels like a library. It's this case 35276. They set me up at one of the tables with this gray file box filled with three folders bursting with documents. Looks like it's like oversized maps and stuff. And when I start going through them all, I realize that this case goes back a lot further than I thought, all the way back to when California was part of Spain. It starts in 1820 with a guy named Luis Maria Peralta. He served as a soldier for the Spanish government. Dennis Evanoski is the publisher of the Alameda Sun newspaper, and until recently he was the president of the Alameda Museum. He says Peralta caught the attention of the Spanish government when he secured the release of a group of priests who had been kidnapped from Mission San Jose and taken to the Central Valley. As a thank you gift, he got a uh, land grant that stretched all the way from El Cerrito down to San Leandro. Basically, they gave him the entire East Bay, even though Native Americans like the Alonian Bay Miwok had already been living there for centuries. But Spain gives Peralta the land, which he then splits among his sons. Fast forward 31 years. California is now part of the United States, and one of Peralta's sons, Antonio, is looking to unload some of his land. Antonio was delighted to find out that there were actually Americans that were willing to pay him. This was because squatting was a big problem in the state's early days. So Peralta was thrilled when two men, William Worthington Chipman and Gideon Onbaugh, made an offer on 160 acres of Peralta's land, where they would establish the town of Alameda. But Peralta had a problem. His land was in the U.S. now, and it would take the government more than 20 years to recognize his claim with a patent. Unfortunately, by then, yes, the land would have belonged to him had he not sold a lot of it off. And also by then, Onbaugh and Chipman were both gone. So Peralta, Chipman, and Onbaugh had all left Alameda by the time the government finally got around to affirming Peralta's claim in 1874 and issuing him that patent for the land. Now know ye that the United States of America, in consideration of the premises and pursuit... But the language in that patent, it's really important for our purposes. And here's the part you have to remember. The patent includes the piece Peralta sold to Onbaugh and Chipman, and it says that its western border is along the Bay of San Francisco at the line of ordinary high tide. On December 7, 1941, Japan, like its infamous Axis partners, struck first and declared war afterwards. World War II comes to Alameda. Within months of Japan attacking Pearl Harbor, the brand new Alameda Naval Air Station becomes the launching site of the first major bombing raid on Japan. 
the United States aircraft carrier Hornet, part of a task force steaming into Japanese waters, is now revealed as the secret base from which American planes first bombed Tokyo. After the war, the station continues to grow by filling in San Francisco Bay with new land. So it was totally normal when the Navy claimed about 50 acres of the bay in 1956 to expand the base. But what happens next is not normal. When the Navy adds this landfill on, it crosses over the invisible line underneath the bay that marks the border between San Francisco and Alameda. Once it's filled in, this tiny sliver of Alameda Island is now technically in San Francisco. But no one really cares that this underwater border has been breached. What people do care about is who gets paid for this land the Navy's taking. And that's when two new players enter the arena, Eleanor Peterson and Carol Hesch. Mrs. Hesch, she was a leading member of the museum when it was founded. George Gunn is the curator of the Alameda Museum. Everybody knew that she was the granddaughter of Chipman. That's William Chipman, one of the men who bought the land from Antonio Peralta to establish Alameda back in the 1850s. That was their one claim of fame. It was also how Hesch and Peterson claimed ownership and demanded payment from the U.S. government for the part of the bay taken by the Navy to expand the air station. She was very proud of their heritage, and she was the historian of the family. She claimed that their property extended out into the bay. She made this claim based on the original Peralta land grant, the one given by Spain in 1820, which she and Peterson said extended into the, quote, deep waters of San Francisco Bay. But here's the rub. That original Spanish land grant may have talked about deep waters, But remember that 1874 patent? It set the borders along the Bay of San Francisco at the line of ordinary high tide. High tide is not the same as deep waters. And when the women took their case to court, transcripts show the judge was only interested in the patent, the U.S. definition of the borders. Here's one exchange between the judge and Peterson, who represented the women in court. The only question involved is whether or not your land comes within this patent. It does. If it does, you are entitled to judgment in your favor. absolutely it does. If it does not, you are not. It absolutely does. I think it is as simple as that. Well, it does, absolutely, every bit of it. But the judge disagrees and rules against Hesch and Peterson. They appeal the case, but to no avail. In the end, the feds do end up paying for the land, just shy of $14,000 to California. And the women? They get nothing. It's so peaceful here, and what a perfect day. I know. We're back on present-day Alameda Island with our question asker, Lori, looking across the bay at the San Francisco skyline. And yet... So you're in San Francisco now. That's Larry Janes. He's with the Department of Veterans Affairs, which now owns the sliver. And he's taking us on a tour of this restricted area. This little pond that we're looking at here, um, in the summertime, you'll have several hundred Caspian terns that that come here. After the Navy uh, closed the air station in the late 90s, it gave more than 600 acres of it to the VA to build a new hospital and national cemetery. From the VA's perspective, it really doesn't matter if it's Alameda or San Francisco County. It's federal property now. What uh, logistics does that mean? Um, Like, for example, if a crime was committed, where's the jurisdiction? We actually have a, a contract with the East Bay Regional Park District Police 
and we have our own VA police as well. And we work with the Alameda police, so if we needed backup from Alameda, we, we could go to them as well. But San Francisco's out of the picture. Well, they can come over if they want, but it's a, <laughs> it's a, little, uh, a little bit of a distance for them, right? Neither Alameda nor San Francisco zone the sliver, and the VA has promised not to develop it because it's home to an endangered bird species called the California least tern. In order to ensure their well-being, we had to leave them a buffer zone. The VA is talking to the city of Alameda about putting in a recreational trail that would hug the coastline around the sliver. So maybe one day soon, you too can walk from Alameda right into San Francisco and stand on land that was disputed all the way back to the King of Spain. That was Bay Curious reporter Ryan Levy. Thanks to Lori Bowden-Hammer for asking this week's question. We are sending our January newsletter out next Wednesday. That's January 10th. In it, we'll answer a question from listener Mandy Y. She asks... Who put the large letters South San Francisco, the industrial city, on a hillside over the town? Why is it there? If you're curious, be sure you're subscribed to get the answer at baycurious.org newsletter. Our show is produced by Katrina Schwartz, Christopher Beal, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. And we are actually in San Francisco as we are making it today, but we're on Alameda Island. It's weird. I'm not going to get over it. It's just weird. It's cool. <laughs> Thanks to Jessica Placek and Paul Ancor for their work on this episode. Additional support from Jen Chien, Katie Springer, Cesar Saldana, Maha Sanad, Holly Kernan, and the whole KQED family. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. I'll see you then. Hi, Big Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's Trivia Game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.